You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? We are back again, and of course, you know it's it's that time of the year, and you know, the, you know I think the the you know Christmas Carol is something about you know the twelve days of Christmas, and we're gonna go on this episode really the uh, twelve factors of NFTs, and I, I will tell you like for me building out um, some software and some uh, backend mechanics for not only tracking but also um, you know monitoring and trying to you know figure out you know it's it's kind of interesting. This is uh, it's the 29th episode, but ex- exactly one month ago today uh, that this project started. We started on 11 11 2021, and today is 12 or 12 11 21. Uh, and tomorrow our NFTs go live uh, for both the super fans and the founders passes. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, for me, part of the utility that I wanted to make sure to provide was that. You know, everyone that wants to go along on this journey of buying an NFT every single day can come along on this journey, right? You can see what we're minting. You can understand maybe some of the, the thought process. You can, you know, bring up some projects of your own and we're going to do some comparisons and we're going to, you know, break down some of the things that we're thinking about. But even more so, you know, over the last, I would say, eight months or so, one of my focus has been, and it's kind of what I, I've done um, in the past as a speaker, right? Whenever, um, you know, when someone is coming to me to speak at an event, you know, one of the things we always laughed about was, you know, people, you know, in some cases don't want to pay for a speaker, right? And, and you know, it is my, you know, that is my my primary source of revenue as a, as a full-time keynote speaker and digital futurist. And I always talked about, you know, uh, I have this. I have a value chart, um, and so when someone would come to me um, to hire me to speak, and they would say, "Brian, we can't afford, um, you know, your full your full fee." Um, you know, which for those that you know, I'm very transparent. You can literally just Google my name and say "speaker fee," and it comes out uh, because I have it very publicly online. Uh, I'm I'm one that preaches transparency, but I also try to to live it as well. Um, and you know, when they say they don't have the entire budget. For me, this is when we open up the chart, right? And with the chart, this is where we start evaluating the different aspects of the event, everything from, you know, who are we sharing the stage with? Who is going to be in the audience? What's the potential of this gig turning into multiple gigs? Lots of those like type of factors. And so that's where I kind of have connected here um, with NFTs. And now I will say like, this isn't a foolproof. But what I'm hoping for those that are listening to this uh, is that we are, we're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to open your mind to thinking not only beyond the art, but also beyond just the word utility or community or access. And so these are the 12 things that we've been working on um, kind of on the on the back end whenever I've been looking at NFTs, you know, the the 200 plus that we have across my portfolio, including the the ones that we have here for Mint 365. And I will tell you more than likely this will be uh, this show will be something that we are going to kind of come back and revisit maybe every other month. And let you know like what factors we've thrown out and which factors we've added to it. But hopefully you guys are ready. We're going to kind of walk through these 12 factors um, and kind of open your mind uh, to what is going down. Now, 
I will say, you know, people talk about, you know, NFTs being about the community and the community being everything. I'm going to start off by saying, you know, I actually look at community and I think we're oftentimes misusing uh, the word community. And so in this, in this list of 12, you're going to notice we're going to, we're going to break community apart and really dissect it from a standpoint of uh, true analytics. And, and most of you know, you know, at least four hours uh, of research for me is put in uh, to each NFT that we've been, uh, you know, kind of minting. But I will say even, you know, a lot of times it's four hours spread out over three weeks. Sometimes it's discovering a project and realizing they're minting in 24 hours and I spend, you know, four hours kind of researching it there. And depending on like the buy-in and some of these things, it's really important. So um, number one, uh, when I talked about community, I, I really, you know, this is, I wasn't messing around when I call these my, tw- my trust factors. And I think the trust when it comes to NFTs has to start with the founders. And so number one for me are who are the founders? Uh, and if they are anonymous, uh, that does not mean um, that to me is, okay, well, now this is going to be a harder one to determine. But there's also a difference between the founders being anonymous and them using a pseudonym, right? And I think that's an important delineation. And I will go back through, you know, if the, uh, the founders' social media accounts, so if they're anonymous or they're using pseudonyms and, and yet they're using you know, their own individual Twitter account, I'll go back and see how long they've been tweeting. Maybe they've been tweeting under that pseudonym for years, right? Now I can still start to benchmark and gauge some trust. I also will say, you know, who are the people that they're interacting with across social and um, who are the people that they've amplified? What other projects are they a part of, right? That for me, understanding the founders in this NFT space, and when I say founders, this is all inclusive, right? So this means the the people whose face are on the on the project, the developers, the artists in many cases, um, the community manager if they're going to put that up there, uh, and even the investors. I think the investors are a, a big piece of this, right? If it's going to be venture backed or angel invested, or maybe they're using coin, you know, like that's what we're using. We're using ADHD coin here um, behind um, our NFTs, and I will tell you, like. That should be a factor that is weighed in, right? The fact that we are are working with and using a you know a a tool that we you know that is backed by you know a sixteen Z a a VC you know company that many people are very familiar with, and so the founders who are the founders and what they are like kind of all of those things is kind of comes in the number one, number two in our on our twelve factors that we factor in here is the type of NFT. And I'm going to explain to you why that that matters, right? And the type of NFT is I have to look at this from a standpoint of overarching value, right? And so you have so many different types of NFTs. And depending on the type of NFT, I believe that's also going to determine saturation of market. It's going to ter- determine my familiarity of of the of what's going on there, right? If it is, I will tell you, if it is a a fashion NFT. Um, that is not my primary sense of uh, of you know of research and knowledge. So that also goes in. And so when I when I remember these factors like the type of NFT, it also matters. Okay, what what other ones can I compare this to in that industry? What is the pulse of the industry? Like if if, if this let's say it's a music NFT, what is the most successful music NFTs that are in the market? What are the worst? What are the ones that have been rug pulled or failed in the music NFT space? You know, I will go into a couple of the tools that I use to research um, content 
content and um, some of the things that we log. And I will look through and say, okay, what are some of the people that have been talking about music NFTs? Are they aware of this project? And so the type of NFT to me matters for, for many, many different um, reasons. And, and I'll kind of factor that in um, a little bit later on just to kind of explain and kind of break down um, where this kind of fits into, like for me, um, the overarching you know, value that we're, we're trying to uh, discover. And remember, for me, value, um, the reason I use the word value and I don't use the word uh, money uh, is because I do believe we have to think beyond how much we can sell it for. And, and I've said that in a lot of the most recent episodes that if I buy something for one ETH today and I sell it for one ETH uh, in four months, yet it gave me access to community and people and I got to go to an event and I got to uh, all of a sudden, you know, maybe I was you know, given some coaching or access to a mastermind. All of those things could be way worth more than 10 ETH. And the fact that I'm selling it, selling the actual NFT for one ETH the same amount um, a month or three months later, um, to me, does not actually mean that you're taking a loss or split even. And so that's why we're using the, the factor of value here in this episode. The third thing is I call it art appeal. And what I mean by art appeal is that I like to factor in like kind of like the, the overarching aspect of the role art is going to play in the NFT. Now, of course, if this is an NFT that is, is 100% art based, it's going to be a little bit different, right? Because now it truly is just the art. But what I mean by art appeal is I also want to know like what is the general appeal of this art or is it something that like I just love and I'm not sure if everyone else is going to love. The other part of this that I think is really interesting is, you know, what is the... What is the you know virality of the art in the sense of are people going to want to celebrate that they own it? Are people going to want to use it as their profile photo? Are people going to want to have it in in the front door of their collection? Um, even so, I even include you know is the art something that people would want to wear you know in their merchandise? Either have their merchandise you know maybe it's the design of their shoes or design of a sweatshirt. I just bought a, a sweatshirt um, that is a, one of my my uh, NFTs and it's an art NFT. It's the it's the uh, secret uh, superlative society. And I know I've talked about their NFTs before. Um, and I bought a sweatshirt that is made from my NFT that I own. And I will tell you that to me is a, a massive factor, right? Because if if people are willing and, and believe that the art's appeal is worth wearing and promoting and talking about it, well, now that's also, that's also going to increase the conversation and potentially, in many cases, the value. Now, that doesn't mean that a, a, this, a piece of art um, isn't beautiful and, the, and the, the, it's beautiful in the eye of the beholder and it's something you would put on your wall, but you're not sure you would put it out there. But it's just these are things that I want to factor in when I'm considering kind of the overall value of this NFT. Number four, and I have these two broken down back to back. The first one is immediate utility. Now, I mentioned of number one, you know, the, the trust of the founders is extremely important. Well, immediate utility to me is something that a lot of these uh, NFTs over the last nine months have really haven't figured out. And what I mean by that is as soon as I get I purchase the NFT, as soon as the reveal happens and it's mine, what are the things that are opened up to me? And, in, and I think a lot of roadmaps start with like, you know, three months out, six months out, nine months out. Well, that's requiring a crap load of trust. I believe the utility, the, the, the projects that are giving some of this immediate utility, to me, I, I, they, it's, it's a little bit easier for us to know like, hey, we're going to jump in there and we'll be able to tell really quickly if this is something that we want to you know, be involved in long term. It'll also give us the understanding of like where, where we believe it can go, what are, what's kind of the powers behind it. And a great example of that is the coalition crew, right? We, I told you that uh, everyone here that we, we minted that for Mint 365 a couple of days ago. 
And I will tell you, you know, the immediate utility, the day after I purchased that NFT, we were given the login requirements that we were given access to a seven-figure mastermind um, group. And every one of us that had the NFT were immediately, you know, like our logins and everything were set up right away. And I think that to me is something when, when I look at it, not, you know, because I don't even have roadmap on this list, right? I'm breaking the roadmap and, and community down differently because I think roadmap is just an easy way for us to throw out there. And so immediate utility is one that is number four. Number five is actually projected utility. And that's where I look at the roadmap. And when I say projected, I like to actually go through the roadmap of these NFTs and I put a little percentage next to what is the chance I believe they could execute that, right? We've seen a lot of NFTs that are like, we're going to have a TV show on Netflix in a year. Well, we haven't really seen an NFT today that is executed on that promise. So what is, for me, that doesn't mean that I, I don't think it can happen, but it does mean that if that's like the primary utility, well, that projected utility is going to have a lower percentage chance of actually being delivered. And it's a long-term play. Not to mention, now I have to go research what's the percentage in it for every one of the NFT holders. How much are they going to get in value? What is the price breakdown of that? Are you going to have the ability to use my, you know, my, uh, you know, NFT in your, um, you know, production, but yet, you know, someone that's not used in there, they're going to get the same amount of value. And so projected utility is one that I really like to kind of really um, dissect. And so that's where I, I, I break down this utility into the three parts, right? So the immediate utility was number four, projected utility is number five. And then number six, I break it down into utility time commitment. And what I mean by that is there are some of the, the NFT projects that have some really neat utility, some neat benefits, right? There's some gamification. They'll tell you that you know every three days they're going to release something new on their website and you can connect your wallet and it's going to randomly generate additional um, features and um, additional properties where it's going to change the rarity of your of your NFT. And I think a lot of those projects are really cool. And there's some, some factors in there of gamification and, and increased uh, community engagement that I think are, are just, you know, world class. But here's the thing. If you are someone that has many, many NFTs, and it's not your full time job as being an NFT collector and NFT monitor, how much time do you have to be involved in that, right? And so I think we have to think of that from a time commitment perspective. And this also includes kind of the gamification or the metaverse add-ons, right? There's a couple where I, I love the project, but then when I really broke down the utility, they were like, yeah, they, they need me to spend six hours in the metaverse a week for me to maximize what they're offering. And I don't have six hours in a week to spend on the metaverse. And so if you, you know, and this is where like, you know, and I remember this all depends, like everyone's, the way that you weight each of these categories is going to be different for each person. And, and I know we're, we're at the halfway point. So this is number six. We're going to do six more. Um, but the, the weighting of these is up to you, right? I'm not going to tell you what to weigh the, the value of each of these uh, categories because, you know, maybe you only have three or four NFTs and you were like, you know what? This NFT is going to require a lot of work, but I'm excited to be a part of that, right? I want to be a part of that. Now, well, now that that like utility time commitment is actually a benefit for you versus for me right now when I'm, you know, minting some of these NFTs and we're doing one every single day and I look at like the time commitment of one, I'm like, oh man, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to maximize the, the, the actual utility there. Number seven, and number seven is kind of the, this, this one is kind of the, the one where I'm going to talk about the, the community um, aspect of it. And I kind of break the community down into um, two different uh, factors here. So just for those that are uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of following along. And so the first one is what I call, you know, like the who, where, 
and what are the, the hierarchy levels within the community. So who, and what I mean by who, is, okay, as a community, right, there's a difference between building a network of people on Discord or building a community that is rallying around a certain purpose and has a common passion. And what I mean by like the who is, are the people that are in there all about what this purpose and passion are, or do they only care about the floor price? Or do they only care about what's in it for them? Or do they want merchandise discounts? And do they, is everything about, you know, the quick flip? And so that element of who is, is a really big one. Where is also one that I think is important because, you know, community doesn't exist only online, but it also doesn't exist only offline. And so I like to factor in when we're talking about community, how are they empowering offline events? What are the other options to get involved? Maybe, you know, people that are holding this NFT aren't on Discord. Are there other opportunities for them to engage and be a part of that um, that community? And then the levels or, you know, the hierarchy within a community, I think is important to evaluate, right? Oftentimes we see like the whitelist and we see like the, the people that are doing like their VIPs. And the thing that I'm, I'm all for that, right? However, these NFTs want to, the NFT founders want to design their rollout. It's always up to them. But here's something to remember is that a true community is built around that purpose and passion and the hierarchy does not change or shift uh, who who is rewarded or who is incentivized or or who benefits, and 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 sometimes you know even so hey this I'm I'm you know one of the projects that we're you know the NFTs that we're rolling out, we have a founders pass, but we also have the super fans pass. But I will tell you part of the beauty of what we're working towards is that the preferential treatment will not be existing for any of those. Their access that they get to certain things, yes, there will be access granted to those that are founder that are holding the founders NFT compared to everyone else. There will be uh, access to the super fans NFT holders. They will get access to certain things that others will not. But when it comes to community, everyone is on a level playing field as far as being treated fairly and being um, empowered to make to have a say in the overall you know feel of that community. And so for some, that is something that they struggle to separate themselves from right like these are these are the ones that are you know our whitelist and our vips okay now that everyone has their nft are is everyone on a, a level playing field or are you giving preferential treatment only to those that happen to be super active in your discord before uh the nft was dropped and, and i think that's a, you know it's it's something definitely you want to factor in and remember when i said who and where you know i also think when we think about that is you know i do believe it is a mistake to only exist in Discord. You know, how are you going to reach a new audience and expand your uh, visibility? I believe Twitter is the best platform for that. And the NFT community over there on Twitter is pretty amazing. And so that's, a, that's something that we also have to factor in there that, that can really you know, be of value. All right, so that was number seven. Number eight is also a community-based one I mentioned. And this one is reputation, partnership potential, team involvement versus driven by the community. And so what I mean by reputation and potential partnership potential is when I look at the community aspect of uh, an NFT project, you know, the exclusivity element is very powerful, right? There's 10,000 of them or 3,000 of them, or in my case, for the NFTs that we were launching, you know, there's 22 founders and 365 super fans passes. Well, what, one of the things that we want to you know, kind of factor in there in that, okay, well, 
how can others get involved? Because let's say the big 10,000 uh, you know, projects, if the, the floor price gets to a point where no one, the entry point for most average people is unable to join that community, well, now you're limiting who you can actually, who would actually purchase the NFT or who would be interested in the NFT. Now, the reputation part of that is also one that is extremely important when we're talking about community because there's also this idea of like, how are they, how are they making sure that voices are, are heard? What is the reputation that not only not and this isn't a founders one remember this is a community one what is the reputation of that community right now like what are the things people are saying about that community right are they the amplifiers or are they the ones that are breaking down other projects to make themselves feel taller right these are definitely things that we are going to want to factor in when we are understanding the community and the other part of that one is the team involvement versus community driven and what I mean by that is you know is this project one that is likely to um, hire or promote or um, amplify those that are, you know, their power users and turn them into moderators and admins? Or is this an entire team that is running like a well-oiled machine and they're going to run the, the thing just the way that they want to? And, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just something, you know, important to to uh, evaluate. And actually, I am saying one is better than the other. I'm a big fan or believer that when you're building out community and you need to hire, you know, additional moderators or admins or social media managers or community managers, that the best ones to do are your super fans. Those that are already hyper, you know, hyperactive that understand the culture and the community. I believe that's where you start. And I think the projects that we're seeing of massive success are doing just that. And, and I mentioned, you know, the Rabbitars, the Playboy Rabbitars, that's exactly what they did. All right, number nine. Number nine, total cost versus potential aftermark market. And so what I mean by total cost versus potential aftermarket, you know, it's very easy for us to assume that because an NFT is cheaper to buy on Solana than it is on Ethereum, doesn't actually mean that it'll be easier to sell it for more profit, right? Because we have to look at attention. We have to understand that aftermarket, where, where is the NFT being able to be resold? And then what are the eyeballs that are there? And how much effort and work is it going to require for us to bring eyeballs to our NFT that we want to sell versus the eyeballs that are already going to be there waiting for one to pop up? Right. And that's where when I look at a lot of these side chain NFT projects, right, like the Matrix project, you know, we, we did that for the Mint 365. I love the Matrix project. I think I think they did a great job. I think, you know, we have an episode coming up where we're going to break down their crisis management and how good they did with that. But the problem that I look at this is, is that, you know, there aren't a lot of projects over there on that blockchain, on the Palm uh, blockchain or side chain. And because of that, there's not a lot of people that are just, you know, tracking that aftermarket and wanting to see as soon as something pops up. Right versus something like OpenSea, which we just found out they did $14 billion this year. There's a lot of people that the minute an NFT for certain projects are posted, they are they are jumping on it to check the rarity, check to see if they're going to buy it. And so total cost, what is your total cost of investment? And then what is that potential secondary market, aftermarket for um, the, the actual buyers of that project? All right, we have three left. Number 10, who has it? And how public are they? Now, that, now this one's a little bit interesting because for me, the like who has it element is not just who like who is going to participate in this NFT, right? Like that is one we want to factor in, right? So the the when we look at the utility of the NFT and we try to factor in like, okay, what is the time commitment? What are the things people are going to do? This is also going to be one of those things of, are you going to be surrounded with people that make you better, that you want to to be surrounded with? 
Or is this going to be like a hierarchy of, you know, old white guys that are going to talk down and not make you feel inclusive? Or maybe is it going to be a, a group of people that are, you know, that look at um, your your way of, you know, uh, NFT strategy as not a value, right? And like, you have to kind of factor that in. And the other part of that is like, you know, how, you know, the the there's an aspect of celebrating what you're a part of, right? They're they're the beauty of like the NFTs being the art, being the face of it for for uh, NFTs across the board is a lot of that is so that we can celebrate the projects that we are a part of. But there's also something to be said about I know that there are plenty of people in this world um, that will say that you know like I don't care who's involved if it's going to make me money. I'm going to be, I'm going for it. And I'm not one of those people. And if you are looking for those people, there's plenty of those out there and I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade, but I'm one of those people that I, if I'm going to be invested in something, I'm going to be part of something. I'm going to put my name and reputation and my brand with something Then it better damn well be something that I want to be associated with. And so that's number 10, um, 10 is kind of who, who has it and uh, how public are they actually um, about that? And what's the public you know, persona around um, this kind of project? Number 11 is really, you know, this comes down to the blockchain itself, right? And, you know, I would say this is probably one of the harder ones as I think it's why that I have it down here at number 11. Um, and it's one that's hard to kind of evaluate because I do love a lot of these other market um, NFT projects. But I will tell you, like, there, you know, I've been doing a lot more research and understanding Solana versus um, Ethereum and um, or Ether as far as what we're, you know, we're uh, the currency we're sharing with. And I will tell you that just because right now the gas prices are so low on Solana actually doesn't mean that that's going to be the longer term play that is going to be best for the NFT market. Because here's the thing that most people don't understand is that when the traffic volume on Solana equals the traffic volume that we are seeing today on, on, on Ethereum, it will actually be more money to actually mint a project than it would be if you were minting one on Ethereum today. Let me say that again. When Solana, if Solana had the exact same traffic volume that Ethereum has today, this is based on my own knowledge. I, I could be wrong, but I, this is what I've done the research on. That if Solana has that equal traffic, that if you wanted to mint a 10,000 PFP project on a Solana with equal traffic that Ethereum has today, it would cost you $50,000 versus five to eight thousand dollars at costing on Ethereum today. And so that understanding like the blockchain short term and long term effects, also understanding what are the secondary markets, what are the the how many people are developing on this on this blockchain? Um, and I will tell you part of the way I research this is I go to GitHub. If you aren't familiar with GitHub, GitHub is the like social Reddit for um, developers. And I go into the the developer um, you know communities and look at the who how many people are, are creating projects on that blockchain. What are the things that they're working on? What are what it's the kind of like the the sense there that's happening over there? And then number twelve, the final last one, is what I like to call the experience. What is the mint experience? What is the Discord experience? What is the Twitter interaction like? And then more probably the most important overarching is the communication experience. How how good are they at communicating what's going on? How open and transparent are they with sharing um, the different nuances within? Because guess what? There's going to be the things that are going to happen. There are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be problems during the mint process. There are going to be problems during the art reveal process. There are going to be all kinds of problems that are going to come into play in this NFT project. And I believe every NFT project is going to have to roll with those punches. 
But do we believe that they have crisis management skills? Do we believe that the Mint experience makes me feel like they they take uh, security measures um, at, at the right level? Is Discord laid out in a way that the not only the experienced Discord users can can find value in it, but the new Discord users are going there, right? When I go into a Discord, the first thing I do is I act as if I don't know anything about Discord or this community, and I try to go through the steps that they provide. And if it gets confusing or they don't do a good job or they kind of skip over that, well, that's something I factor in because now if, if someone's brand new and buys this NFT on a secondary market, you know, what's that experience going to be like for them? And they're just going to flip it to get out of it because they don't have that great experience. So those are the 12, you know, it's not the 12 days of Christmas. It is the uh, 12 factors of evaluating NFT. Uh, we have these 12 kind of in a spreadsheet. Uh, or actually, we have them in an air table, and then we weight them differently depending on what our goals and objectives are. And I will say, I'm going to finish it up with this. You know, I believe the key part of this, before you do any of these 12 that I just listed out, is you want to have a clear definition of two things. The first one is, what does success look like for you with this individual NFT project. That's actually what we factor, that's what we put in first, in the first line of our Airtable. We make sure that we say, what is that What is that success of this project look? Is it, we're, are we trying to, you know, just make money? Are we trying to um, expand inside this community? Are we wanting to possibly go from owning one NFT to five of these NFTs, right? Whatever that may be. And then number two, the factor we factor in before we go through these 12 is how are we going to measure that success? What are the goals that we're going to use to measure along the way, right? How are we going to determine things like uh, utility time or, or utility time commitment? How are we going to determine things like, um, you know, how you know, the, the total cost and the potential secondary market, right? Like, how are we going to measure a lot of these things that are going in there? And how are we going to measure that version of success? You know, it's easy to say that success is something that we are, you know, you define success. But if you have no way to measure if that is you're on the path towards success, then no matter what you do with these 12 things, you're not going to ultimately reach that version of success. So hopefully this was good for you guys. Um, like I said, if you have a founder's NFT, there are some um, still available. If you guys you know jump into the Discord or hit me up on social, I can give you a link there. We're going, you know, the founder, those that have the founder's NFT pass will have full access to this Airtable. You'll be able to jump in there, see all the things that we're doing. Um, you'll also be able to help us kind of determine um, the weighted value of some of these um, projects that we're going to be minting um, over the next 11 months or so. So if you have a founder's NFT, you'll definitely get to see that. Uh, if you do have a, a super fans NFT, uh, one of the 365 that we that we have out there. Um, you're going to be able to see this uh, the Airtable as well. Um, hopefully, be able to kind of follow along with what we're we have going on. And and to me, this is all about you know learning and sharing and hopefully bringing everybody along on the journey. Uh, if you're loving this podcast and you're a big fan of what we're doing here, I would love it if you left us a review, especially over on, I, on iTunes, on Apple. So if you just scroll down, if you're listening on your podcast app, just scroll down where it says write a review. Go ahead and write in there a review. Give us five stars. We would greatly appreciate it. So next time, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. The show is not financial.